All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Flip Your Friday. I'm your host, Wynn Silberman. This is my co-host, Casey LeBlanc. And I got to tell you, we have a very special guest in Veronica Mudra today. Um, thank you very much for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So, um, Casey, just a little background. Um, I know you did a little research on her, but, you know, the first thing I'd like to say is that, uh, Veronica, you know, you, you founded White Ribbon foundation right in the u.s in the usa can you just let's just jump right into stuff because I, I hate having to you know <laughs> just kind of scurry on along let's I just, just jump right jump in right in like what into what? our new digs i mean yeah. come on, okay no fun. long intros yeah, no, no long we're intros. not doing a long intro you, what, but i mean come what on is, what is, guy what is, we're doing a new set with new pillows and stuff exactly. no no nothing what is white ribbon what oh, is white ribbon really i'm just getting i'm tired of intros like it's fine she's gonna be special we're gonna have fun Let's go. We'll have a lot of subjects okay, besides yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, the White Ribbon campaign is the largest in the world male initiative against domestic violence towards women and girls. So I did not found a, this movement. It was founded uh, 32 years ago in Canada, in Toronto. Wow. And it became so popular because it's a grassroots campaign, so anyone can join. So now we have 63 offices around the world, and I co-founded the American chapter and the Ukrainian chapter, since I'm Ukrainian. I'm a former CEO of White Ribbon in Ukraine and the co-founder. That, that's that's really, really interesting. And I'm going to dig right into something that's even more fascinating, which is how we met, Casey. Oh, um, I'm just going to be really honest. It was, it was yeah, it's, well, it's not Tinder. It's not anything fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> not Raya. Yeah. yeah. Um, quite frankly, I got asked by a very powerful uh, friend of mine, businessman who always sees business opportunity. Um, he happened to own a lumberyard uh, in a particular country that we don't have to disclose. But uh, he called me and said, listen, I want to get a hold of president Zelensky, and i was like uh okay he's like you know how to do things you know how to connect you're always a connector you'll find a way just find a way to get me i want to get a hold of Zelensky because i want to help rebuild ukraine and I, the war is going on and i'm thinking jesus there's there's a there's a war going on and you're already you're already here thinking about um, potential IMF money, which we can go into later, but it's like, how do I, okay, so how do I do this? Because I do respect him. I do respect his business acumen and I want to deliver. Um, and so are you nervous right now? No, I'm, I'm just, not just nervous. Calm down. I'm not nervous. The IMF, you know, yeah, like he's, it feels like, yeah. Are you like, well, feel like your, your heart is beating really no, fast. No, no, it's no, like, war. take a deep I, breath. I know I'm we've done this in a while. I'm, I know, but foul. just relax. It's going to be okay. Like have a good time. I, I, this is very intense cause it's fun. I know. Well, and also too, you're talking about a subject that's very sensitive. We're, so we're talking about war ahead. and business. I'm just I mean, trying it's, to, I'm it's, just trying to make you feel at ease. I want to make sure he's a comfortable should, interview should, for me. Really? Should, should, can I just, yeah. should I just take a deep breath? Should I, okay. That feels better. <laughs> Even that was quick. <laughs> Anyways, the point is through, uh, various connections, I was introduced to Veronica and Veronica was able to facilitate an opportunity for me to make the connections with not only president Zelensky, but a number of generals, uh, in Ukraine, um, and that's how we were able to potentially be able to grow some business together. Um, but one of the things Veronica and I were talking about is just business and connections and, and the right way to do things and, and not necessarily the, just the wrong way to do things. Um, and, you know, we mentioned that there were certain people that when you would introduce them to certain people like President Zelensky, they would go straight to what they wanted. Um, and they're just, there's, there's an art to things. Um, and that's kind of one of the first questions that I wanted to bring up to you is you are very connected politically. 
Um, you've done many, many good things in the world, but it's uh, given you the opportunity to meet many powerful people. How do you see, uh, what's the best way to facilitate business uh, in the context of what we were trying to do, for example, which is, you know, connect some dots and, and see how we can potentially rebuild a, a country once the war is over? Uh it is definitely an extraordinary circumstances we live now, and no, nobody expected to uh, have worse. Um, now it's Ukraine, but not only. So in this extraordinary situation, I think that all the network and all the connections and all the opportunities that can help to the country in a, such a situation will work and should be utilized. So uh, since we ran in Ukraine the largest campaign against domestic violence, supported by um, Olena Zelenska, the first lady of Ukraine, supported by the U.S. Embassy and Embassy of Canada and all the law enforcement system in Ukraine, we we do have an access to an opportunity and ability to facilitate certain connections and certain introductions just to help the country. So normally... Probably that's not what a nonprofit would do, but in a situation like that, when a critical infrastructure of Ukraine is so damaged and needs so much reconstruction and development, so when we speak about the hospitals, the roads, the bridges, uh, the uh, residential buildings, I'm not even speaking about the commercial uh, uh, real estate that was uh, damaged so much. So. Uh, when we speak about that, we definitely want to make sure that uh, Ukrainian companies will have an opportunity to collaborate with international partners who can step in with investments, with their um, experiences. As uh, Wynne was telling, his uh, friends have great experience in um, rebuilding the critical infrastructure that includes bridges and includes roads. So that kind of experience is needed in Ukraine. And definitely the opportunities there in terms of like from one side helping people and helping the country, but from the other side to bring international business players to the Ukrainian market and to during the times that when a country is is in need. So that brings up an interesting point. What, how do you even get into that arena? Meaning, how do you create uh, political clout or how do you work your way up to you know, shaking hands with the president of Ukraine? Um, the thing that it's non-political. So mm -hmm. since we're uh, politically neutral as a nonprofit organization and we are always open to work with everybody, who is open to work with us and support the cause that is very bipartisan, it's non-political, it, it relates to gender equality, to women rights, to um, equal opportunities, equal pay, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and including the country as Ukraine. So um, because um, we usually collaborate with government, so we have no intentions to go against the system. So if there is something wrong in the system, we prefer to collaborate and work with the system rather than like protest against someone and heavily like just go against. So we 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 uh, prefer to bring positive change. So s since we have this uh, historically collaborative spirit so we work with governmental agencies so we work with law enforcement agencies we work with embassies so that's uh that's non-political aspect but um it's just an aspect of being present in the country and we when we speak about gender policies 
in Ukraine, we have to collaborate with government. So that's mm. the way we work together. Interesting. Okay. And, and in the U.S. as well. But, yeah, we need some of that in the U.S. is where we start stop being so political on every single issue and one side or the other where people are fighting. So when you, when you have a, a nonprofit that is for women's rights and equality, how did you get involved with something like that? And how did you work your way up to the level that you got to? Um, it really happened organically. Uh, but again, because we, White Ribbon Campaign is known to be very collaborative, uh, very um, welcoming campaign. So we are gender neutral. We, yes, we stand against domestic violence towards women, but it's genderless campaign. So when we started to work for example, with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs uh, in the U.S., and we launched the largest in the U.S. Uh, movement against sexual harassments and sexual assaults among veterans or people who served in militaries. So we made this campaign genderless. So we recognize uh, that both genders can suffer from that. But so we we made it as as tolerant as possible so and as neutral as possible so i know that in the u.s we have very you know strong specifics when it comes to democrats are republicans but i think that campaigns like that are mutual ground for both parties so we work with previous administration we work with this administration so i think subjects like that equal opportunities, equal pay, uh, women rights, human rights should be a mutual ground for both parties. So this year, <coughs> this year we um, were invited to Congress and we were supported by both um, congressional members, Republicans and Democrats. So, um, and that's the beauty of this campaign that we do work with governmental agencies, but we stay neutral. How, how do you how do you find that the organization makes an impact? So you guys are a nonprofit. How do you raise money? How do you go out and bring the money in? And then what do you do with the money? How do you decide what to do with the money to make the greatest impact? Um, we are a small team. We're both we're based um, in California, but we work a lot in Washington D.C. So with with a small team, we always uh, make make sure uh, make sure that every dollar invested by a donor. Uh, brings like triple results. So, um, and this can be achieved by collaboration, by collaborative efforts. So that's why uh, we do not do a lot of campaigns, but we try to do campaigns on federal level. Uh, for example, the campaign, the White Ribbon VA campaign is a joint campaign with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Then we want to launch um, next year a campaign against substance abuse, against fentanyl overdoses. Then we launch <coughs> that is called Cyber Against Trafficking that uh, stands against human trafficking and abuse of cryptocurrencies in transactions related to illegal activities as human trafficking, sex trafficking, child porn, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we, we try to do the campaigns that are have bigger impact, but we can uh, afford doing that by collaborating with other agencies, governmental, non-governmental. For cyber uh, campaign, we collaborated with a few uh, intelligence um, agencies like Dark Horse Intelligence, Alter Ego. So we, we try to uh, get together people who are professional in certain areas and just collaborate with them. So our donors know specifically that we don't do a lot of campaign, but every campaign we do, we try to maximize the impact. It, doesn't it seem like human trafficking and sexual assault stuff has caught in the eye of a lot more people in popularity from the standpoint of the main 
humans just on Main Street understanding that this is a much bigger problem than I think what a lot of people with the Epstein and like some well, of the. I was I was just watching a documentary on and and you can verify if this is true or not, but on Ukrainian children being stolen by the Russians uh, and being effectively brainwashed and literally fighting in their military against their own people. I mean that's 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 riveting to me. I I, I think that's true. Um, I, I don't know if it is, but I'm sure you might know a little bit about it. Yeah, the numbers can be uh, really different, but um, currently it's between 300 and 500,000 children were moved to Russia, and they were technically uh, moved from their parents um, from Ukraine, and um, so the children being separated from their parents. This is all just during the war, just recently, just Dur during the yeah, war, because the most recent war. So this is all new data. Military conflict started on the east of the country back in 2013, 14, right? So it escalated to the war, full scale war that we witness it now, but it started long time ago. So the first kids that were impacted, the kids from the Eastern Ukraine, because they're closer to Russia. Mm. And now there are a lot of international efforts to bring those kids back. And this is one of the, the most painful, most sensitive subject. Then about the human trafficking, um, the data in related to um, cyber security and cryptocurrencies shows that uh, countries like um, Emirates, um, where the um, um, use of cryptocurrencies became so so widespread and the regulations are not as strict as in America, that um, human traffickers using cryptocurrencies um, a lot in countries like uh, UAE. And specifically, Dubai became one of the capitals of crypto transactions, but also of human trafficking in related to crypto transactions. And um, as we all know, for example, the CEO of Binance uh, was charged with criminal um, investigation. So, um, but the, the positive thing is that the uh, cri um, crypto exchanges like Binance, they hold the data and the transactions that should be anonymous in a crypto world are not actually anonymous. That's, that's the beauty of, of blockchain, right? I mean, it's it's basically, a, it's a ledger that everybody can see. Right, right. So by collaborating with crypto exchanges like Binance, uh, we actually can facilitate and help to law enforcement to track down those transactions related to illegal activities. So let me ask you a question. So you... It, you're biting off a lot. What you've just mentioned over the yeah. last couple of minutes, you're, you guys are tackling huge, huge issues. So what is your role w within the organization? And what walk me through maybe like a day-to-day. -day. Like what do, you, what do you do as part of the role when there's so many different things that you just described? Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO. So I'm ch in charge of daily operations. And um, so I'm in charge of the... the uh, we decide, I decide mutually with board members and with our team members which campaigns we're going to run per year. So I mentioned a lot of subjects, but there are actually like three subjects. So this is domestic violence, sexual harassment, sexual assault, human trafficking, and potentially substance abuse campaign. Mm -hmm. So it's not a lot for the year. It's My actually main, there's there's four main buckets, and then it ten yeah, tends to yeah, spread out. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, then yeah. in terms of every campaign, then we decide which tools we're going to use. For example... Uh, we uh, produced a, a short uh, film 
called Re- Reunited that won about six awards already this year as the best short international film project, the best social justice project in support of the campaign that we ran uh, in D.C., uh, the Hague Convention Reform for Refugees Under Domestic Violence Protection Program. So this campaign just was started a long time ago, but I mean that we decide what do we want to do in terms of campaign, because one thing is to work in D.C., but another thing is to create a public discourse around the subject and Mm. get media attention, public attention. So, for example, we shot this short film that was a great tool to support the campaign that probably you guys even never heard about, like, hate convention and child abduction aspect. Like, it's very narrow, but to bring attention to that, we used, since we're in L.A., we utilize the uh, Hollywood aspect of it. Yeah, what was that movie that came out? The, oh. the famous one that brought a ton of eyeballs, a well, ton of attention. In, he's, he's in a little the bit in trouble Sounds right of now. Silence. Yeah. Sounds yeah. of Silence, yeah. right? What yeah. was the what was the impact of that movie on your guys' organization or just in general with ch- child abduction and sexual assault with the, I think with the, the stories that come out about Epstein and then that movie and then you, it just brought a lot of attention to a subject I think a lot of people were either in denial about, didn't know about, and so now it's more mainstream at least to talk about and be like, wow, this is a much bigger issue than I think what people really recognize. And I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a bigger issue outside of America or is it America playing into it? Or how do you see that from a global perspective since you have so many different, so much experience with it? So actually, the uh, Sound of Silence, it was scheduled for screening at iHollywood Film Festival, where we received an award as the best international film, uh, f- uh, film project. So we were, we were there, we were you know, watching all the other nominees. And what I can say that films like that make a huge impact because it brings uh, the subject right in front of you. Mm. One thing you know that somewhere there, there is a human trafficking even living in Los Angeles, you might know, oh, you know, yeah, I've heard something is going on in San Bernardino or Riverside, but you're not there, you, so you kind of know, but you don't. But mm-hmm. when you see it in front of you, when you experience and live uh, this subject through the story of a, a specific children that there were trafficked, so when this human trafficking has a face, so then you understand the subject uh, in a different way, in a more a more emotional way. So I think that everything that makes people feel the subject, not just like read about it, but actually feel it, yeah. so makes a huge uh, impact. And we watched amazing uh, films at this f- uh, festival about the crypto world, about crypto mining, about mm. the um, uh, um, uh, climate change and about the human trafficking. There were a few very strong projects. So and our project was about refugees under domestic violence. Again, it's a very narrow subject. Yeah. But when we, you watch it through the lens of specific individual, a mother and a child who come into America from another country trying to make it here, struggling as refugees, then you kind of think about it in a different way that it's not far. It's actually like right next yeah. to you. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a good point is that storytelling plays such a role in whatever you're doing, right? It's you, you are, as a nonprofit, you're telling a story to try to generate more dollars to be able to make a bigger impact, et cetera. Absolutely. And I mean, and let's take a step back in roles. I mean, and, and going back into to business and entrepreneurship, because you are implicitly an entrepreneur as well. Um, you know, we've mentioned just to recap that, um, you know, bipartisanship, having a foundation that is relying on bipartisanship gives access. And, and through access, you're given the opportunity 
to grow business. So I have a um, question for you. So let's say that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I recognize and I hear about uh, people be having an ability to uh, do business like making rebuilds, just going back to uh, be able to rebuild a country. If I were to call you and get in contact with you and have absolutely zero idea of how to accomplish anything but want to try my luck at, if you want to call it luck, at, at trying to grow business through this connection, what would you do? What would you consult? How would you teach someone or what would you recommend that entrepreneur do to try to engage and succeed in any campaign? Let's just say I have a lumber company, for example, and I want to try to see if I can get my lumber company to be contributing over there. Is there a particular advice that you would give me? I would say that if we speak specifically about Ukraine, uh, right? I mean, every business often starts with like-minded people coming together and brainstorming, but there is something that unites these people. So, for example, if to speak about the nonprofit is one mm -hmm. of the avenues. So uh, our donors... Um, are everybody from the business world and but they're supporting us because they have something in common they believe in certain values so i think that of step number one understand that there is a network of like-minded people and among among this network there are people who understand that the country like ukraine uh needs uh a, the infrastructure to be rebuilt and to be developed because the war will be over. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. So when the war will be over, the next step that is happening now is how to help the country to get back to normal life, how to uh, help the hospitals to be rebuilt, the schools, the preschools, the, the, the regular infrastructure. So I think that the first step is to understand that there are like-minded people. It's connect and value. Connected by values and then take it from there. And then there are a lot of now conferences and um, events organized by um, Embassy of Ukraine in the U.S. and vice versa for business people who want to participate in rebuilding Ukraine. So, and the way you can get information there, you can get information through our foundation. So since we do work with U.S. Embassy in, in so, Ukraine and vice versa. So you are facilitating networking, yeah. right? Um, Casey, I mean, look, I think that, that it's a cross-section of business. I think networking in any business is very important. Is there anything that you do in particular that helps facilitate networking for you? Uh, she's mentioning a tenant of, um, of value as a, as a way to connect. Is there, well, is she there also mentioned like-mindedness, like right? Or, like yeah. You, and then you start to talk and execute. I think it, like you don't just create a network by showing up. You have to create a network through a lot of shaking hands, conversations, you know, like, like-minded people, um, connections of connections. That was one of the things we talked about before we started the, the interview today is how are you utilizing your network and how, like, how did you grow it? How did you build it? I know you said politically that, that you guys are neutral. So you have both sides of the aisle. Um, that helps. Right? If you don't have to take a stance and you can be right down the middle, my business is very much the same. We're not picking winners and losers. We're a neutral third party. And through that, we're able to garner a lot of relationships and that, that helps. Right. What, what does your network mean to you? For me, it's my business. Our network is our people. Our people is our business. Without that in the service industry, we're nothing. Right. I would imagine that that would, could transcribe to any business almost anywhere. But do you, do you have an opinion on that as far as what that means to you with, with relationships, people and network? I think that in in our 
modern world and the speed that we live in that relations and communications is number one mm -hmm. and um for example um i i don't do only non-profit i have also for-profit business and i was telling to yeah, let's, we'll uh, get into it yeah earlier your thought. about yeah. the cybersecurity company that mm -hmm. i uh, became a part of uh but it was born as an as a volunteering initiative in ukraine so uh because our office in ukraine our team members volunteered a lot and one of the volunteering direction was to help international in international communication between the uh, cyber teams mm. and because uh, cyber army in Ukraine is a uh, is a name, but it's actually collective efforts of like-minded people, of like-minded companies, in cyber, in artificial intelligence, in special military technologies. They volunteer and give back a lot to Ukraine, and they're located internationally, but they have Ukrainian like roots or co-founders or team members. So. From doing that, then we move to the next step. We understand that we can bring that experience to the U.S. and its alliance, and we formed a Ukrainian-owned, women-owned company in here in Orange County, in California. And uh, this year, we were invited to present our company in Pentagon. Uh, we were mostly speaking about lessons learned um, in Ukraine, and we were speaking about emergent and disruptive technologies. Um, Give glass. an example of, of what that means, Emerge, um, oh, a disruptive technology, or what are you speaking of? Uh, we speak about the UAS and counter UAS technologies, the anti-jammers, and a lot of uh, um, dynamic uh, technologies that are very uh, fast-growing in Ukraine because the Russian side and the Iranians, they are sending a lot of new drones to Ukraine, so... Ukrainian side needs to be really f dynamic and reacting fast to new technologies. And those lessons are battlefield born, battlefield proven. So technically, we bring battlefield proven technology to the U.S. So U.S. can utilize it internationally, not just for uh, for America. Will you rank, since you have a cybersecurity background, give us an idea of ranking, like and maybe give it a 1 to 100 scale as far as a grade. China, Russia, Ukraine, U.S. How far advanced are these countries that are, that, you know, in the cyber world and into, you know, we just had a company in, in our space that is a multi-billion dollar company that completely shut it down. It, like the, the idea that that's even possible to me is so wild. So from a cybersecurity standpoint, like where does the U.S. rank? Where does Ukraine rank? Russia, China, some of these big ones where you see a lot of activity from a cyber, you know, a cyber attack standpoint. Where, how, where do you see the world from that perspective? Um, so as a part of cybersecurity company, I'm, I do not have a formal IT or a military background. So my, okay. my role in the company is facilitating the connections and networking. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, uh, I can give a good example. Uh, so when uh, we, we everybody saw the um, attack that happened in Israel, so besides the kinetic attack, the physical terrorism, there was also cyber attack on Israel. And actually, Israel is one of the uh, countries that being attacked the most per second. And when you see the uh, list of attackers, those hackers groups, they are um, a lot um, Iranians and Russians. Wow. 
So in in uh, cyber world, you cannot disregard the potential abilities and knowledge of Russia, and uh, plus uh, countries like uh, um, Russian alliance um, and countries like India, known uh, for a long time for a strong IT specialist in big amounts. So, um, but that's a very bad. Um, uh, a tendency in the world to be, the world was getting so bipolar, you know, so we have America, the good guys, <laughs> and uh, Ukraine sure, included, sure, and then we have Russia, uh, Iran, and uh, terrorist groups, and hackers groups, uh, so the bad guys, and I think it's the worst tendency, because the world became becoming too black and white, so I think that um, the way to eliminated is to um, bring more um, um, offensive uh, way of thinking to the Western world. So be prepared to the worst, but because Western world is always about cyber defense, how we can build better cyber defense, but having a mentality of, you know, be more cyber offensive. Mm. Interesting. Cyber offense. The best defense is a good offense. Well, and, it's know, an active defense. It, it, it it's called an, active, active defense. Active defense. But I, like I do that. want to touch on that something very important to our audience, and one of the reasons why they why they listen to us is, you know, I, I just listened to you, and and Casey asked you a question about you know cyber activity, cyber defense, whatever we want to call it, and you mentioned something very important that I want to uh, really um, highlight, which is you didn't have any experience, but in entrepreneurship, you don't necessarily have to have have to be the expert in what you want to do. But what you do need to have is facilitate connection and understand who the right people and who the right team you have to have in order to win. Um, so how exactly did you go about finding, you knew that there was there was an opportunity here. There's a problem to solve. There's an issue to solve. You wanted to get involved. How did you go about finding your team and what exactly did you look for in, in various traits and, and, and how are you here now with this company? But that's the thing that um, I know this team for a very long time because that that is our organization's team in Ukraine, but they volunteered for specific um, cyber groups. So uh, so that part of team I knew, mm. but the opportunity uh, became uh, like a low-hanging fruit after my team members started to interact a lot with those really talented IT specialists around the world, like-minded people who want to help Ukraine. So then we realized that there are like 1,400 ethical hackers that we're in touch with. Hmm. And we realized that Did we... Did you say ethical? Ethical hackers. It's like a... It's like a it's a term. Is it really? What, what is that? So I don't mean to interrupt, but ethically, ethically hacking. Yeah. Right. Is that, so uh, with your consent. Oh, so, with your so consent. <laughs> what are you trying to crack a like? If, yeah. That's a name. That's actually a name of, of a profession. So it's when you're a certified ethical hacker, it means that you are ethical towards international rules and regulations. Oh. So you're, you're not compliant. hacking so someone's phone without a consent. If you have the consent, that is ethical. Just like you're an ethical AI robot. Um, sure. <laughs> oh, did you hear about the attack? 
the uh, the robot uh, Tesla factory attacked no. a, a worker, an employee. The uh, the actual robot, the physical robot. Yeah, f- it was like just a few days ago. I think there was Elon on a remote control. <laughs> There's no doubt. He's he's just fucking with us. <laughs> uh, okay, so sorry I interrupted, but ethical hacking that was I had never heard that term. What is it like in Ukraine right now? I know this, we're kind of moving around topics, but. Being that you have such an experience over there, what is it like in a in What's a like in war, in a war zone? What's it like being in? Have you been in in Ukraine? During the war, I mean, yeah. what's it like? Yeah, we went to Ukraine this February as a group uh, from the United States to see uh, how we can help and how we can help specifically in um, uh, development and reconstruction areas. So. Um, I mean, when I came there, I was not there for years, but when I arrived, of course, as you see burned houses, you see uh, broke, uh, damaged bridges, you see the roads completely damaged, you see the um, schools damaged, hospitals damaged, you see uh, famous artists coming there and doing murals on those uh-huh. damaged buildings, like Banksy did uh, really a lot of um, murals. Are most civilians gone? Uh, yeah, they are, are, are evacuated. So yeah. some towns are like ghost towns. So you do realize that there are a lot of people who immigrated from Ukraine, but it doesn't mean that they will they don't want or they will not want to return. Right. So it really depends on the uh, reconstruction development. Once there is development in place, that pe- a lot of people want to come back. So they, they love the country, and if not the war, they would not relocate. So um, definitely, it's. I mean, you hear um, the sirens every hour, and um, I mean that's a real war zone. Yeah. What's the What's the temperature with people that are there? I mean, obviously there's fear and scare. Are they optimistic that Ukraine can win, or optimistic that they can negotiate? Are they? What's the end game? I know it's, a, it's probably some sort of settlement, right? Is that Is that what people are? wanting sooner rather than later are they trying to get to a point of like when we could talk about negotiation but there's so much to it i understand but i guess it's it's interesting and please answer the question but let me let me just zoom a little bit more it's settlement in in land but you know we talk about for example rebuild i would assume that part of this agreement is not only land and boundary but also opportunity to rebuild because you that's so? your economy. Absolutely, do, I believe do you agree that, Putin, with that, that. I believe the, that Putin, that the negotiation. You don't will think be, that Russian companies are going to come in and have opportunity to rebuild? Well, that's or, just all centered around money well, and power. Well, but I would. I mean, I um, I think the temperature in the country is different. There is no settlement, as there are no negotiations with terrorists. Mm. Um, there is no settlement mentality. So the world saw that probably finally that. Like Russians, Ukrainians, Belarusians, Polish people, Hungarian people, we're different people. We have different mentality. Yeah. We have different background. We speak, we, we came from the different same culture. part of the world. But the fact that Germany is next to France doesn't make German people French. Right. Yeah. So um, we are built different. We are, we are freedom fighters and we do not... Uh, break we bend but then we fight back so there is no settlement no negotiations about mm. the land mm. apart because ukraine is independent country it's independent state historically since fifth century 
and it will stay so. So even with the war, Ukraine is still there, and the uh, uh, United States stepped in heavily, and as well as UK, as well as all the civilized world, uh, and uh, that will not happen. U Ukraine will not fall, and as the original Putin's plan that Ukraine will just fall in three to seven days, it did not happen because of the spirit of people. So there is no uh, spirit of settlements in terms of the anything. They have to leave our country. So that's number one uh, rule. That's the mentality that allows us as Ukrainians to survive. Other than the, if not that, if not the spirit, Ukraine probably will not exist. Yeah. And, uh, and that's step number one. The step number two is the reconstruction has nothing to do with Russian companies. Okay. So uh, we have a lot of um, Canadian uh, Latin countries who are ready to step in. We have American countries who want and who can participate. A lot of European countries uh, who are willing to give the best technologies, a lot of business partners outside of Russia. So definitely we it's it's not not negotiating it's it's out of discussion even so and uh, the ethical part that um uh, putin still has a support among uh, oligarchs in russia among all these companies just shows it all if they were if they would have a different mentality not a slave mentality because they listen to a tsar like nowadays it's like, where do you see dictatorship on that level? So Putin is like a tsar, and then all the people with huge assets just listen to him. In our country, that would not be possible. We do not have slaves mentality. And it ain't going to happen that Ukraine will be falling into slave mentality. That's why we prefer to work with companies like American companies, American government, or international government, everything democracy wise so there is no even a question about like uh settlements or having russian companies rebuilding ukraine absolutely not yeah i agree wins very like he's incorrect a lot so that no, doesn't no, it's surprise not, it's me not, incorrect it's, but it, it's a question because but it, and it's it, if you it, guys if don't it's know but it is yeah. but it also is like war is about power it's, it's about, about power territory and, 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 and mostly a, about and if money if there's a negotiation to facilitate peace it's very complex because like she says there's a culture there's a specific uh identity that the ukrainians have and there's some non-starters um so yeah yeah, maybe, maybe. But I'm ultimately, wrong. like, it will come down to some sort of settlement, right? Like, there's a negotiation that you would think would end. Because to, to win would mean what? Right? Are you going to take over Russia? Are you, are they going to subside? Like what? Yeah. What does a victory even look like at this? We point? We want to stay on our land. Right. So, but we, that's as, negotiated. As, as, so, so that's what we want. So the uh, the that's the negotiations part. We right. will stay as Ukraine. We were independent state, and that's in our DNA. We are Ukrainians, and that's where we'll, we will be Ukrainians. So it's not negotiable part. The the war, how it will end. Eventually, it yeah. will end at the table of, and of discussion. Sure. I, I believe so, right? So there should be some international uh, third party that can mediate. Absolutely. And, and there needs yeah. to be leadership. And, and that's a common theme that we talk about throughout all these podcasts is leadership, which leads to my next question. And it's addressed towards your perspective on, on President Zelensky. What, what do you think his best trait is? as a leader um, so far? 
They said the war was going to last only five days or seven days, right? We're still here. He's battling. He's doing everything he can. Is there a particular trait that you are particularly uh, proud of uh, on him? Is there something that you would say, look, this is one thing that, that I can say about President Zelensky who, who shows an example of leadership really well? I think that he uh, he's great in marketing Ukraine. So he created, actually, he he did a lot to bring the uh, Ukraine as a brand on international arena stronger. He showed to the world who are Ukrainians. Like, remember the this uh, phrase, the statement that I don't need um, a right, I need ammunition. Yeah. When, yeah. Um, when he was offered to be evacuated, he, for evacuation for right. his him and his family, he said, I don't need a right, I need ammunition. So, and by the way, Banksy put that as a part of mural. So I think that the spirit, you know, remember he, he's an actor. Yeah, that's fascinating. He's, he's One of our leaders was an actor in Pro Ronald Reagan. Professionally, he, he's a producer and an actor. So his ability to deliver the speech, the level of professionalism, being an actor, I think that also helped a lot to articulate mm. and verbalize the message that was needed to be delivered to international um, community. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. You're a CEO. At some level, you're needing to deliver the same type of message depending upon who the audience is. But, right, like what, how do you prepare for something like that? How do you prepare to talk to the, pol the political people on both sides of the aisle when you're ra either raising yeah. money or getting yeah, your you, message across? Well, you were at the Pentagon. Like, what, yeah. what goes into... So you're presenting, right? Yeah. Like, you, you're presenting, Zelensky's presenting, CEOs present all the time. People are presenting all the time. People are acting to some level all the time. Right. How do you get into character? How do you present? How are you portraying the message correctly to get the most reward or ROI at whatever given you know, stage that you're on? Um, I think that, you know, there is a, a, a saying that don't try to be, to play someone else's role because ev everybody else are taken except you. So just being real. Authentic, I think. Yeah. So being authentic and uh, bring your experience, your unique experience that only you've been through to other people. And then speaking from through your heart, from your heart, it's also very, I think, important because, again, nowadays there are so many technologies. We have access to any information, but what makes you unique is your experience. So when you speak from your heart and when you deliver professionally your message, but through your personal experience mm -hmm. and when you touch people's hearts, that would brings you to a different level because even like this year we we had a white ribbon day in congress and and it was supported by a few congress women um for example uh debbie dingle um she'd been in congress forever i knew she is a prominent advocate for women rights but i never knew she is a domestic violence survivor i never knew she had to uh, to hide in closet during all her childhood because her father was a drug addict and she she'd been through horrible domestic violence situation in households. She had to hide in closet together with her sisters. And when you hear that uh, story told by a congresswoman uh, with her experience, then you understand that even how it doesn't matter how high you are, you're still human, driven by your personal experience. So if she was able to speak at our event and tell it 
us how she was hiding in a closet with her sisters and what it and she is a survivor because she didn't know if she would make it through the night that, when she was is, a child. That is just the for me, the epitome of rapport and how you facilitate connection right there. Shared human experience will implicitly connect two people and make them feel a certain way to go deeper and see how they can help each other. For me, that's business. That's how that's one of the definitions I have uh, is is how you grow business is is build rapport. Well, how do you build rapport? Through shared human experience, through taking interest. It doesn't matter what the price I might be trying to sell you this glass later, but let me let me be human with you. Let me share experiences. Perhaps there's a connective tissue that will facilitate this. And then sure, it's a good product. There's tons of other products just like this, but because we have this implicit connection, I win. We win. Right. right? I think that's a big deal. Was there some moment in your life? We we've been on this podcast several different times, and there's this thread amongst all of the people that we've interviewed where there was like a moment in you know the people that we're talking to their lives that whether sometimes it was their worst moment sometimes it was their best moment but there's usually a moment where they they had like an aha moment where it, it triggered them to do something right so you get into the nonprofit where there's a deep deep um message and there's a deep like journey and you're making a huge impact and there's a lot to it was there something in your life that got that brought you to that stage or or got you interested in it to try to make a difference uh yeah i do uh, remember this moment i i didn't know that that was my aha moment i it was just extremely difficult moment when i came to to the united states about eight years ago with two years old son and i stayed with 38 dollars in my pocket so, and I um, came as a, uh, under domestic violence protection program. Mm. So, and it was extremely difficult to be a single mom and to be, um, uh, to be classified. I was always felt as I'm like classified, you know, I have a so-called Russian accent. I look in a certain way. I'm an immigrant. I'm a single mother. I was uh, definitely like really lost here. So, and I was really praying on the floor on my knees. I remember this moment that I was just praying that no woman and no mother in the world has to go through the things that I am going through. And if I will have a chance to make a, an impact by reforming certain laws in America, so refugees will have better legal protection and better uh, opportunities to survive here, that's what I should do. But I didn't know that it was my aha moment because I, I didn't know like even how to survive with like no resources here and with two years old. And I had no idea that I will be able to open the nonprofit organization or be one day in, in, in Congress. I didn't think about that. Like at that moment, it was a strictly like survival time. That's a, I love that. So let's take that moment, right? And you have the unique perspective of being able to look back and saying, that's my aha moment. And then seeing the, you soar to the successes. A lot of what we're talking about on this podcast is that journey, but a lot of people that hit that bottom, don't rebound or, or bounce and it takes a long time or what would you attribute to maybe internally externally but how you're in your look back from today looking back at that moment what did you do give us some insight as to how you did it yeah, how you bounced back how did you bounce from that moment um i did not break because i had two years old 
and I had to be strong for him. But also, I just decided, it was just a decision in my head that I have to survive, I have to go through, I have to find a solution, and I have to build my life here from scratch. Like, I have to, that, that I don't have anywhere to go else. Burn the boats. Have yeah, you ever yeah heard I didn't yeah, have yeah, anywhere yeah. to go, so that was a decision. Yeah, of, of course, like, if to think we all have options, you know, like a lot of like, we live in California, we see a lot of people on living on the streets, yeah. having mental disorders, uh, uh, huge substance abuse issues. So uh, do these people have chances or options? You know, I was I'm thinking about it a lot, you know, when you drive through downtown, and you see so many homeless people, we think, do they have a choice? Is it a, a, a choice? To live that way, I don't know. Did I have a choice that time to start drinking or using drugs just to release the stress or to really like fall into some, you know, mental disorder? Probably that was one of my options. And the, I mean, people under stress act differently, yeah. but I just decided to you know get it together and just do my it best. It sounds like it sounds like one of the most uh, important traits that she's sharing with us is the the power of love. Quite frankly, the love for your son um, uh, facilitated your desire and resiliency to survive. And I, I think would that's part of it. I I would challenge that in some degree because I think there's a lot of people, to your point, that love their kid but they don't decide to do it. They just choose alcohol. They choose mm. shortcuts. Mm, they choose, that, right? There, like there, there's, like the there's a lot of people there's like, the, I, there's, there's the disease component of it though. But right? there, there's also this, the easy button in yeah. life, right? Yeah. Like yeah. When, but what I, I, I can attribute it to also to upbringing. So mm, I was mm. doing sports professionally since I was like seven years old. I think that, uh, why, um, uh, prevention is uh, the best treatment because when you are having some positive experience as a child, for example, it's, it can be anything. It can be like, I, it, in my life, it was ping pong. But it was you played professional ping pong? Yeah, I did. A ping pong. Do you have a, do you have a ping pong table? <laughs> that I, is phenomenal. I, can we just I, if can we scrap are, this whole thing? That just, was not on my bingo card. <laughs> that is I, awesome. I had no idea. Are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Shit. So do you, is there any doubt in your mind if you could beat both of us? Uh, I mean, depends how good you are, but Ooh. usually I do beat. <laughs> so are amateurs, you still, you're amateurs. Still good. We, we need I mean, to find I mean, a table. We are definitely. I mean, yeah, we need to find a we're table. We're almost amateurs at everything that we do. <laughs> Ping pong not excluded. Uh, wow. Okay. So that was. Yeah, we sorry, went that's, from your sorry, low that's moment very important. to yeah. being a professional ping pong player. Yeah, that's, that, that's awesome. We are ping pong, ping ponging <laughs> around yeah. this conversation. Yeah, I'm but that sorry. Was, I'm sorry. That's that so was good. phenomenal. That's awesome. That was, that's awesome. Wow. Now I want to play. I was not expecting <laughs> that. Okay. But you see, it, it gave you an encouragement and it's yeah. like a ping well, pong. Sports reinforces like, things. It's, it's yeah. Sports, it brings some energy in, yeah. you know, yeah. and you feel like. Well, just like, tell, imagine how good you're going to feel when you whoop his ass on the table. Well, uh, th that's a good but to, your, to your point, though, um, I think I could keep hold my own. But oh, that's pal. not the point. But the point is, is like dealing <laughs> with no losing, dealing with adversity, dealing with the, when you learn those things at seven years old, that translates to how you react in moments of stress. Stress yeah. and despair. Yeah, or because like, like I was like since seven years old, I was at the sport camps by myself in summer, spending one, two months by myself just training a lot. And then it was a, a track and field athletics. But what I was just thinking 
when I was going through the hard moment, you know, I started to work out more. I just started to like get it together, you know, and probably it, that came from childhood, I think. Yeah. Fascinating. We have a, a saying and I want to bring it up because I think it's such an important point and I feel like it's missed on so many, on so many people. We have this saying and one of our, our old dear friends mm. came up with it and it's, I decide. <laughs> and we joke about it a lot, but you brought it up. It is, I decide. I decided to do something. I made this decision. I and willed then I it. Just went, I willed it to happen, and I did. So we joke around about it, too, because people oftentimes get stuck in minutia. There's so many, like, dating. There's so many options. I'm not going to decide. There's Rabbit so many, holes. you know, there's so many easy way outs to go drink or drugs or, you know, go have fun and stuff like that. But the actual point of like, I'm at my absolute low and I'm deciding that this is not going to be my finish line, right? Like that people don't do that. They wallow in self-pity. They wallow in the, all of the negativity and they don't make a decision yeah. to actually yeah. like get up. But, but the thing is like, I, I was just, when I was uh, driving to your podcast, I was lit, um, listening to audiobook, book, the only book that Steve Jobs had mm. on his iPod. I don't know you guys if you know. So this is autobiography of a uh, Yogananda. So it's a yogi's autobiography. You know this uh, fellowship the um, in uh, LA uh, when you drive back uh, drive to Malibu there is a fellowship, a beautiful sanctuary where all the religions like Baha is it Baha'i? Uh no, it like oh. it looks like as a park, beautiful park where all the religions come together. So yes. it was founded by Yogananda and uh, that the book I was listening to. So, and he speaks about mind over matter, mind over money, mind over problems. The mind comes first. So the way the yogi is manifesting everything is through first calming your mind mm -hmm. and then your mind generates everything so the power of mind is incredible and it's it is a matter of decision but then that's why the mental health i think today should be so um important and so it and it should be um really like um taken care of like more i think in nowadays lives because this is the starting point mind over everything yeah. in your life so let's talk about that because i think it's an i think you're absolutely right <clears throat> what do you do to keep your mind right i um meditate how I, long i'm always curious on how people i can people meditate uh, uh, up to an hour really just complete silence or do you do guided or no just i like silence i have this since childhood it, wow. because in 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 my childhood as a child i saw i experienced a lot of stress our father left us early and i don't know how but i was meditating since i was probably like six seven untaught untrained i just, just happened I'm, naturally I, just trained. I was just closing my eyes and imagining the completely dark uh, space and that's how i was calming myself at home wow. when i was listening to you know everything was going on in the household so and i just i just uh, then the healthy sleep is very important. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of successful people, you know, you can get, you cannot get a hold of them after 8 p.m. for a reason that they taking their time to prepare for sleep and like really go to sleep early. 
wake up early like that's a w- that's why I, that's why i keep apologizing to you when i don't answer my calls after eight it's exactly what she's talking about do you track your sleep do you, i do not you do not do you track the time that you're asleep do you do you, is there a certain number that you or is it just very natural no. i organically fall asleep and no, I, organically I, I, can wake fall, up? I have the superpower i can fall asleep like everywhere like really? on this sofa like, like <laughs> okay the real trick is can you fall asleep and still beat win at ping pong <laughs> I think that's I would say power now. Absolutely. Minus 125. Yeah, minus absolutely. He just had a child and he hasn't slept in four weeks. Yeah, so. no, I have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank oh, you. Wow. Yeah, I haven't slept. Oh, he didn't tell me. I, like, I told you about a cybersecurity company and he didn't tell me. Well, <laughs> we didn't have time yet. Yeah, we've covered a lot. We've covered a lot of topics for sure. So, okay, so there's sleep, meditation. Uh, food. Food, what yeah. you, what you mm. ingest. I I just uh, don't eat. Uh, I just don't want to. After like um, seven ish, eight ish, mm-hmm. often I just eat really little, and then I eat next time. I eat like around eleven a.m. So it's like okay, a, a fasting. So that window, the intermittent the, fasting. The fasting the yeah, intermittent awesome. Fasting. That's great. A lot of water, uh, good liquids. Uh, if you can, no alcohol, because I was just listening to so many programs. You almost had me. You, <laughs> oh my God. You, I was almost oh sold God. on <laughs> all of the tips and tricks, and then you got to that one. I'm like, I was listening. I was listening, you know, uh, on TikTok to this video about like how actually FSB, you know, the Russian FSB, that uh, they did trainings for their agents, and they explained them why they should not drink because the neuron in in the yeah. uh, brain they shrink. Yeah. That makes shrink. a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Shrinkage. <laughs> so I think that if you can avoid uh, alcohol or that, that's good. Yeah. You know? well, okay. We'll have to work on that. I mean, there's I, other I, things I, out there, Case. Yeah. I mean, for the most there's, part. There's yeah. other things out there. You should try some. I have some things for you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I don't trust anything <laughs> this guy gives me. I, I mean, we're in California. Yeah, so there yeah. Are, yeah there is a, a huge a menu yeah. of things to try. <laughs> there it is. So you uh, you are are nonprofit, and then you said you had several businesses. Or is there is there any other ones that you do? And so you have cybersecurity, the nonprofit. I'm just smaller. Smaller business. Smaller are there any passion projects aside from the from work that that just personally that you're you're interested in that outside of all the different things. I'm not sure you fit all of this in in 24 hours, but I guess it's not no alcohol and some sleep. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but is there, are there any other passion projects personal, personally that you do that, that in your spare time or is there? Passion projects. I mean, I, I love to dance ballet. Wow. I'm fascinated by the whole culture of like classic ballet, you know, the pointy shoes, yeah. the, the, the whole culture of training. So when I have time, I go to uh, ballet school. That's wow. very cool. So do you you have the same thing as Steve Jobs where you only listen to one book or do you do you break it up into multiple books? Are there any uh, any No, I love listening to audiobooks. Okay. I, I, I don't read much, to be perfectly honest, because I think we just don't really have time to sit with a book and read. Sure. So I when I do something I listen all the time to audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. Is there I, do you have a do you have a favorite or one or two that you could share that for uh, for anyone listening? Um I, I've listened to very interesting one, Power of Myth by Joseph yeah, Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Yeah, yeah Joseph that's, Campbell. That's my favorite book. 
<laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Are yeah. you serious? He's a comparative. I, yeah. So this is this delves into different things. I majored in religion. Uh, Casey doesn't think that's a marketable thing, uh, and not. yet here we are in the world. But you know, he he his his favorite line <laughs> is "Follow your bliss." Follow um, your bliss, exactly. And, and, and that's and that's a very oh my God, big, you powerful stole thing. my my speech. Uh, I'm right sorry. now, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I swear, I got. I wanted to say that, but yeah. You, you, well, that okay. was good. See, look at you, that. You, look, you it's very that. important. Myth, myth is important. Uh, creating your own myth is important. Uh, it will, it will bring community together. And instead of having various religions having their rules, if you yeah. could just recognize that, uh, a lot of good things can can change the world. But we don't need to get into that today, Casey. But just know that we also agree on that religion's a thing and it's important. Oh, I, I'm, I didn't argue that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure but what creating your own myth is very important. We don't need to get into that. And then uh, one, one more book is was about the. Surfing the reality. Mm. So when you um, there is a specific technique when you bring your mind to certain s- state when you can uh, when you can mm. project and mani- whatever is called manifest, manifest now like yeah. like project your uh, future in simple steps. You know, just take like don't take a lot of on you at this at one go, but like just focus on something and then start to project it in a certain state of mind. So yeah. it's called uh, surfing. Reality. That's cool. Oh, Real, like reality that. surfing. Okay. So that was. I'm always looking for a new one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. You should definitely try Joseph Campbell too. I will. Power of myth. I'm back. You know what? I'm gonna buy it for you. <laughs> I'll but, take um, anything that you buy. You know, <laughs> listen, um, I know we yeah. got we got to wrap it up here, but listen, I wanted to thank you uh, for coming down here. I really appreciate it, man. We covered a, a ton of different things from from your foundation to concepts of leadership, to how to build rapport, um, to keeping healthy, uh, and, and how to win, and how to win on Fridays. And and, and I think uh, I think we did a great job. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, so, like, advertising this preload the yeah, whole time. Yeah. yeah. Well, they win stand out. These are, this, is a, yeah. this is a new little setup yeah, for I us. Just, this I, is just a, wanna, I just want to thank you, and yeah. I have to take a moment for this. This is unapologetic, but, guys, listen. Look, we're back. It's fun. It's fun to be back here. Um, we have Instagram. We have YouTube. We have all these channels. Download, like us, send us messages. Let us know if there's someone you'd like to have as a guest on here. Um, and we're happy to try to facilitate that. And again, Veronica, thank you very, very much. And uh, this, this, Veronica, this, wraps this it was up. this was awesome. Like we, yeah. we covered a lot. I think we dived into your into your personal into the to professional, but then giving us a glimpse into like tips and tricks on how you execute yeah. and do so many different things. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being honest and open with us. That was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. I'm honored to be here just oh, be- awesome. before the new year's. Yeah, yeah. this is great. <laughs> this, this is great. great. This is, this is awesome. fun. Thank you. That was fun. All right. Awesome. Thank you.